0: Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? Amen. You can turn those lights back on. There you go. Now I can see. Today we're going to talk about doctrine. Doctrine. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 says, All Scripture... ...is given by inspiration of God. That means if you do a literal translation, that means it is God-breathed. And it's profitable for doctrine. There's the word. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What is it about the term doctrine? It seems like it's intimidating to a lot of people. We can talk about the love of the Lord... We can talk about duty and commitment. We can even preach against sin. And folks seem to be pretty much willing to listen. But the term doctrine is, I don't know, it's it's like it's thought to be just for people in seminary or Bible college. They're supposed to know doctrine. It's like it's too complicated for the average Christian, only for scholars. Only those that would dare to venture into this territory. Do you even understand what doctrine is? What if I give you a test? Think you can pass it? Well, we'll make it multiple choice so it won't be so difficult. What is doctrine? Is it our statement of faith in the Bible? Is it instruction? Is it medical advice? Who said it's A, our statement of faith? Anybody? Is it instruction? Okay. All right. How about medical advice? Well, you might be a redneck if you think it's medical advice. (laughs) I'm not real sure about that, but it's didaskalia is the Greek word for it. It means simply instruction. Bible doctrine is that body of truth that makes up God's instruction to mankind And especially to his people. Uh, I don't have this in my notes. Maybe I can remember it. Somebody said that Bible, B-I-B-L-E, stands for basic instruction before leaving earth. I think that's pretty good, actually. Basic instruction. That's what doctrine is. Uh, We, uh, without the teaching of the Word of God and the truth being understood and then applied... You know, it's one thing to, to teach you something or you to teach me something. It's another to, for it to be understood and then it's to be applied. God didn't just tell you things to, you know, just to make you smart. He wants you to do what the Word of God tells us to do. Uh, if you don't, if you don't learn and apply doctrine then your life is going to experience great loss and great destruction. Hosea 4 and verse 6, God said, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Understanding Bible doctrine is not just knowing your Bible. Understanding Bible doctrine is knowing how to live your life. And it's obvious that many of us here today... We don't know how to live our lives. You say, you're just going to insult me? Maybe. But well, I'm going to tell you the truth. There's very few people in this world that know and understand how to live their life compared to the masses that do not. Our second text verse today is Ephesians chapter 4 and in verse 14. We're going to spend most of the rest of the time in Ephesians 4. It's pretty long. We're not going to get into all of it. But our second verse is verse 14. It says that we henceforth, means from now on, be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they will lie in wait to deceive All of God's Word is important. But there are some areas of doctrine. Doctrine is what? Instruction. Instruction. Some areas of doctrine or instruction that without them, your life will be as described in this verse. It will be like a ship with no rudder. Your life is going to be tossed to and fro. Your direction of life is going to be determined by the circumstances around you. Whichever way the wind happens to be blowing. You're going to be bounced around from circumstance to circumstance. And ultimately. You're going to wind up somewhere on the rocks of destruction in your life. Understanding doctrine is so much more. Than knowing that Jesus is God. Or that that you cannot lose your salvation. Or that what the church is. Or what the Holy Spirit is. These are all Bible doctrines. They're extremely important. But. Soteriology, anybody know what that means? That's a Bible doctrine. It's the doctrine of what? Who can tell me? It's the doctrine of salvation. How to know that you're saved. This doctrine is of extreme importance because understanding this doctrine is going to determine where you spend eternity. And it's going to be either in heaven or it's going to be in hell. And hell is real. And most people are headed there. That's what the Bible says. And soteriology, understanding the Bible doctrine of salvation is the only way you're going to avoid it. You say that you're a Christian, do you not? You say that you're saved and that's wonderful. But there is so much more, so much more. Success in your roles in life as husbands and wives Success as a vo- in your vocational life, parenting. The very idea of parenting without Bible doctrine, without knowing what the Bible says about how to raise your children, it's insane. You, you can't do it. Handling money, keeping a job, integrity. Running a business, prioritizing your time, overcoming addictions. Every other critical area of life depends on understanding Bible doctrine. You're either going to understand it and you're going to do it the way God tells you to do it. Because he's the only one, the only one who can tell you how to live your life successfully. Nobody else has the answer. Failure in any critical area of Bible instruction can and will destroy the quality of your life. And it will lead to consequences that can go on for generations to come. Our text in Ephesians chapter 4 is actually 32 verses long. We're going to come to God's house ready to worship, ready to serve. It's about Jesus. It's it's not about us. It's about him. But there's so much of what we do in church that's designed to prepare us for true success in life. Should be anyway. I try to see to it that that happens. I I work at it. But back in chapter 2 of God's Word, here's what God tells us that it was like before we were saved from our sins. It says in chapter 2 verse 1, And you hath he quickened, made you alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now what's that mean? Verse 2 tells us, it said, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Before you came to know Jesus, the only guide that you had for how to live your life was the world without you, around you. It's the only guide you had. Some of you may be there now. I I hope everybody here is saved, but I doubt that that's true in a crowd this size. The only guide we had was, was the world. It says, you walked according to the course of this world. It says, you walked according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Do you know who that's talking about? the prince of the power of the air, that spirit is, that's talking about the devil. We followed him. We followed what he taught us to do and how he taught us to do it. Your goal then, some of you uh, are older. You can remember what it was like on the other side of knowing Jesus. Your goal then was, was to get what you wanted And to give your flesh what your flesh wanted. That was it. That was your goal in life. That's what you spend every day trying to do. It says among whom also we all had our conversation. That means our behavior, our pattern of life. In times past and the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling what the flesh wanted and what the mind wanted. And it was by nature that we were like that. Every one of us started out the same way. I'm not picking on you. We all, every one of us did the same thing. When we were lost, we followed the only guide we had. And that's the world. And I might add, it was mostly presented to us on television. That's Satan's number one, it's his number one way of getting into your head and telling you what he wants you to do. And it's told to you like, well, this is the way everybody's supposed to do it. This is the way it's done. I could get really off track here talking about this right now i could I could abandon my notes and just talk to you about every time you turn on the TV every time you watch a you think well there's a series it's going to be interesting and and what a first thing out of the bat dating is da- dating anymore dating is now having sex that's all it is like people used to have coffee they have sex now that's what dating is and it's normal homosexuality is now normal everybody's doing it it's, it's just presented it's pounded into your head day in and day out over and over and over again And young Christians don't even know what God says about any of it anymore. I see several older folks here today. I'm going to ask you something. How did living like that work out for you? How did that work out? Did it all turn out fine? It was all good? My next question is kind of obvious. If it didn't work out so well, then why are we still trying to live like that? Why is the world still our guide for having to do, how to do things, how to live our life? If I knew how to live my life, it wouldn't be following the world. And if you knew how to live your life, it certainly would not be following What you see on the boob tube and what you see every day out there in the world. And you know it, don't you? All the answers to right living, all the answers to live a great and successful and happy life, they're all of them, all of them, right here in your Bible. They're right here in God's Word. We who belong to Jesus have a responsibility to the truth. That's what we're going to talk about today. Our responsibility to the truth. And the Word of God is the truth. I have a responsibility to you as your pastor. God tells us plainly why He gave you a pastor, or pastors as it were. Ephesians 4, in our text, verse 11 says, And He gave some apostles, some prophets, Some evangelists. Some pastors and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. That's the church. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man. A complete man. Unto the measure of the stature. Of the fullness of Christ. My job in a primary sense is to teach you doctrine to teach you doctrine i've i've selected some verses i want i want you to see how god emphasizes this business of understanding doctrine and again doctrine isn't just the complicated areas of scripture about the deity of christ or the nature of god or the uh, the Holy Spirit, or what a church is, and all those things that that's included, yes, but doctrine is every basic thing you need to know about living your life, how to do it luke four thirty two and they were astonished at his doctrine john seven sixteen Jesus said, "My doctrine is not mine, but he that his that sent me." Romans six seventeen. God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. 1 Timothy four six. Jesus Christ nourished up into words of faith and of good doctrine, whereas thou hast attained. First Timothy four thirteen. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. 1 Timothy four sixteen. Take heed unto thyself. And unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. First Timothy five seventeen, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Second Timothy four three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will after their own lust heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. That's why Christians bounce from one church to another. They, once in a while one of them's looking for doctrine, good instruction. Most of the time it's because they didn't like what they heard and they're going to go find somebody who will tell them what they want to hear. Which one of those are you today? Are you here looking for what you want to hear or are you looking for the truth today? Which is it? Well, I promise you I don't always tell people what they want to hear matter of fact I was talking to a guy that came into the church building Wednesday during practice and he had had a flat tire and he was coming in and he was uh, on staff at another church and he was talking about the kind of churches he had served in all these different brands of churches and I asked the guy I said, I said are you proud of that he said, he said, oh, I, it's just a testimony that I can be comfortable anywhere. I said, well, why don't you tell up Sunday? I'm pretty sure I can make you uncomfortable. Amen. I, 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 it just didn't make any sense. The truth doesn't mean much to people nowadays, but I hope you're here because it means something to you. 2 John 1, 9, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He's lost. He doesn't know Jesus. He's going to hell. That's what that means. 2 John 1 and 10 says, If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not in your house, neither bid him Godspeed. In Matthew 4 and verse number 4, It says, but he, that's talking about Jesus, answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. My job is to bring you sound biblical instruction. But there's an old saying that says, You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Next we're going to take a look at your own personal responsibility. The second sl- section of our text outlines your responsibility in this. It said in verse 14 that henceforth, that means from now on, we be no more children t- tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men And cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love. May grow up into him. Which is the head even Christ. God says you're not to listen to every. Voice that comes over the TV or around you when it comes to things of God. You're to make sure you're listening to the truth. And if you're a Christian, God expects you, commands you to grow. To grow up into Him in all things. That means how you live. It means what you eat. It means when you work. It means who you're going to have a relationship and what that relationship's going to be like. If it's godly, if it's according to the scriptures. Every area of your life, God expects you to grow up in Him and learn how He tells you to do it. Because if you don't... It's going to end in a disaster for your life. You may think you know how to do it. You may think you know how to live your life. But if you don't know what the Bible says about what you're doing, you don't know beans about how to live your life. And just because you're old don't mean you learned how to do it. If you don't know what the Bible says about it, you don't know how to live your life. It's a fact that in every family there are those who want to stay babies and be babied just as long as you can. You ever walk into a restaurant or to, into, on a park bench and see a four-year-old breastfeeding at his mom's breast? There are people that want to stay babies just as long as they can. So it shouldn't surprise me that in God's family of believers it's kind of that way too. Some, some of the Corinthians there in First and Second Corinthians were told about, they wanted to stay babies. They, they didn't want to grow up. 1 Corinthians 3 and 2, Paul said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet are you now able. You, if you, you say you're a Christian. If you are, you have a responsibility to grow up in the Lord. I don't care if you're 8 or if you're 80, if you're a Christian, it's time for you to start growing up in the Lord. 2nd Peter 3:18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus and Savior Jesus Christ to him be glory both now and forever. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12. It said For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles are or of the words of God and are become such that had need of milk and not of strong meat for everyone that useth milk is unskilful in the word of righteousness for he is a babe but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age mature in other words even those who by reason of use have exercised their senses to, to exercise, to discern both good and evil. There are a lot of Christians, some of you here today, that frankly do not know the difference between good and evil in a lot of areas. Well, how, how, do, Pastor, how do you know that? You've been looking in my windows? No, I haven't. But I hear you talk. I'm not i I'm not a, I'm a, I'm old, but I'm a fool. 1 Peter, Peter 2 and verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. Some of you got saved, and now you are hungry. Now you're hungry. Eva over there. She's been saved a month, maybe, if I'm keeping track right. She shows up every Sunday at Bible class, hungry, wants to know more and more and more. You come to Bible class, you come to home team, I get calls on a regular basis asking you to clarify some biblical teaching because you're studying your Bible and you want to learn everything about what God says that you possibly can. Some of you never come to Bible class. You never come to a home team. I have never gotten a single call from some of you ever asking me about a single verse anywhere in the Word of God. You're not hungry. You don't want to eat. You don't want to know what God says about how you should live. You're perfectly happy to get all of your instruction from the world just like you always have. How is that okay? How how is that normal for a Christian? There is something seriously wrong with a newborn or a toddler or an adolescent or a teenager or any other stage of growth that you want to name who ju- that just won't eat. Something wrong. anybody anybody that won't eat's got a got a problem. Anybody that says they're a Christian and doesn't want to know what God says in His Word has a problem. You had better figure out why that you have no appetite for God's Word before you go to sleep some night and your spirit wakes up somewhere you don't want to be. All right, I'll leave you alone now, but we'll move on to the corporate responsibility that we have as a church. Our corporate responsibility is to grow the church. And some of you are thinking, well, pastor, isn't that what we pay you for? Actually, it's your job too. It's not just my job, it's your job. Ephesians 4 and 16, let me, let me read this to you from God's Word. It says, from whom the whole body, that means every member of the church, the whole body, fitly joined together, fitly is properly. God made Eve a... A helper fit for Adam. We are made fit for each other, fitly joined together and compacted. That means made close by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. When it says the whole body, it's talking about our church. Colossians 1.24, Paul said, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. We members are the parts that are fitly joined together. God sets the members in the body as it pleases him. He puts you here. And he knew what he was doing when he did it. Our closeness, or our compactedness, if you will take the word from that verse, is supplied by every joint. You know what a joint is? The elbow, it's a joint. It's what connects this part of my arm and that part of my arm is the joint. We are made close by the relationships between each of the members one to another. This is interesting how it works. No member can be close to all the other members. It doesn't work like that. Members are close to the members that they're close to. But all the members are to be close to some of the other members, thus creating a body that is close-knit, loyal, and whose members are committed one to another. The increase of this body does not depend on the pastor or the staff, or the measure, but it depends on the measure of the effective working of every part. It depends on every one of us. Every individual part, doing our part. How's that for a new concept in church growth? Let's measure the effectual working of you in your place as part of the body. Doesn't do you any good to measure or judge me about how you think I'm doing my job. Let's turn that around and judge ourselves. Are you a full grown and mature Christian? Or are you like a partially grown arm hanging off of a full grown shoulder? They call that being deformed, by the way. More important than that, are you growing? Are you growing? Are you more mature in the Lord than you were a year ago? Some of you are saying, yep. And you're not bragging on how mature you are now, you just know where you were a year ago. Who are the other members that you're close to? Can you name them? Do you really know them? What do you add to the relationship? Are you steadily in your place or are you missing a lot? You ever get right, you older ones are going to know this better than the kids. Are you ever right in the middle of something and your mind just takes a day off? Or you walk into a room and you you even start to reach for something. And you, why why am I why did I come in here? You know what that's like. What what if it was your hand, not your mind? What was your hand or your foot that did that? You reach you put a bite put a bite of food in your mouth and your hand just takes a day off just. I have shirts that bear witness to that actual happening, but your hand or your foot did that, you wouldn't like it. What if your heart or your brain did that? Whether you know it or not, we talked about this in Bible class this morning, but whether you know it or not, you are necessary and you need to be in your place Especially when the body comes together. Who has been added to the body to the edifying, the building up, the growing of the body? Who has been added to the body as a result of your relationships with the other members? See, it's not just my job, is it? It's your job, too. We need each other. We need the fellowship. We need the encouragement. I can't even begin to describe to you what a mess I would be if I didn't come in here every week and get encouraged by some of you encouragers out there. I need you. And we all need each other. And the Bible says the the ones who seem to be the less necessary are the more necessary. I won't get into all of that because I'm about to finish this up. But I could probably have a few more things to say about all this. But we'll conclude going back where we started in 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture is God breathed. It's given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. instruction. What, what, is, what really blows me away the most sometimes is some of the most basic things that anyone would think any Christian ought to know. Even people in false churches that we know are not real Christians know basic things. Be not, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Basic, basic things. Pay no attention to it at all. Like you never even heard it. The word of God is profitable. For doctrine. For reproof. There have been a little reproof come out of this message today. I understand. You'll just have to forgive me if you think it was too much. For correction. For instruction in righteousness. It's not that complicated. That the man of God... May be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God has all the answers that you need, but they're not going to do you any good closed up in the pages of a Bible laid on a shelf collecting dust somewhere. You need to come to church, you need to come to Bible class, you need to come to home team. I need you read this book every day on your own. And when you don't understand it, you need to call somebody that you that you know loves you and that you know is mature enough to know it, and find out what it means. And then you quit. You need to quit doing things that are just downright stupid and start doing what the Word of God tells you. It's not that complicated. All right. I guess I'll quit before y'all stone me or something. But. <laughs> well, some of you are doing things right now with your life and you know better. But you're still doing it because you saw the world do it. It's what they do on TV. I, I, I don't get it. Nobody on TV died for you. None of those Hollywood actors care two cents about your life. None of those writers who write that garbage so you feed your mind with cares one single whit about you. Nothing. But the God that loves you gave you perfect instruction on how to handle every aspect of your life. And you're just looking the other way. Do you you love it when the villain wins? Or does it bother you? Of course it bothers us. Now you know how I feel when I see Satan and the world and you chasing them down a road that's only going to end in disaster. I'm sick of the devil winning. And the only way you can stop him is to Start listening to what the Word of God tells you. He knows how to succeed in life.